Episode 78 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Off-Topic Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, Monsoon on the Boards, and today we have a very special panel to discuss a very special series of video games. With me today are Robert Fenner. Second dense it's Dragon Grandpa. Wow, okay, thanks for that, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and also Derek Heemsbergen. Yep, I'm bringing on the boards, and uh, I have a mana tattoo, so... Um, that means I like mana more than any of you. Uh, we're so all fake gamer, we just gamer boys. <laughs> I'm right. the yeah, fake I, gamer boys. I lack that qualification for certain. So if it wasn't already obvious to the listening audience, we're going to talk about the mana series today. That's the uh, Saiken Densetsu in Japan, uh, a series of... I don't, I've lost count of all the mobile titles, but it's at least eight or nine games scattered from 1991 to the to, to, to 2016. <laughs> And uh, part of why we wanted to record this episode is, first of all, the three of us all love mana and all would love to see it return to form in a, in a, in a strong way because it, there, it's, had some, it's had several great games over the years. But in very recent news, um, a couple of days ago for us, but probably a couple weeks ago at the time this podcast is being released, a Switch collection of the first three Seiken and Zetsu games was announced. And that's, uh, that's, you know, Final Fantasy Adventure, Secret of Mana, and the unreleased outside of Japan, Seiken Densetsu 3. And that, and that, um, seeing the trailer for that awakened some nostalgia deep within me and got me excited to talk about the series. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to some of my RPG fan staff, staff mates and found these two other Seiken Densetsu enthusiasts to, just to talk about, you know, the series in general, what we love about it, what we want to see from it and maybe prognosticating about the release of the Seiken Densetsu collection in uh, English-speaking territories. So, uh, oh, who should I pick on? Um, Derek, just briefly, let's um, talk about why we love the, the Mana series in general and, uh, and, and, and why we're still excited to talk about it today, in 2017. Yeah, so in case it wasn't clear, uh, my fake gatekeeping was, in fact, fake, and I don't mean that at all. So, <laughs> the Mana series is something I've... I've I mean, I've said this in a couple of different forms, like on social media, but the Mana series for me, ever since I was a kid, um, something about it was sort of indicative of the kind of fantasy that I could only truly experience in the world of video games. And I know that on its surface, you know, Mana is just kind of an action RPG series that has some... They've played with some other genres too, which we'll get into later, but uh, for the most part, they're just sort of straightforward-ish action RPGs, and I think what makes them so special is uh, the setting and art design and the music, of course. But uh, Mana, you know, when I first saw Secret of Mana on a, a store shelf, or if it uh, maybe it was in a magazine, I don't know, but when I was a kid, I saw that art, and I think anybody who knows Secret of Mana or has even heard of it in passing has seen that, that piece of artwork with the three main characters standing in front of this massive forest and these lush overgrown ferns and the pink flamingos or flamingo looking birds herons maybe flying by um 
and something about that piece of art has always sort of touched some some deep part of my heart which sounds really dramatic but it really has and uh when i saw that i, I felt something special from it and the mana series has continued in this tradition of being sort of rooted in these almost um druidic motifs and there aren't there are a lot of games that talk about nature and reverence for nature but something about the environments and the sort of world of mana really speaks to me and I, I wasn't kidding about the fact that I do have a, a secret of, or a mana inspired tattoo. It's on my arm. I have like a, basically the mana tree with pink birds circling it going up and it's, it's my favorite tattoo. And so for me, for me, a lot of what makes mana special is the art sort of the, the design philosophy of it. And um, it's a world that I really enjoy getting lost in. The art in Mana is exactly as you're saying. It's very lush. It's very green. Um, most of the games in the series have a, an environmentalist message. You're all, you're usually trying to save the world by saving the tree and saving the you know you know the life on Earth and valuing the life on Earth. You're usually collecting you know seeds and kind of communicating with the goddess of the tree as sort of representing a sort of a guardian and caretaker of the Earth. It's there's an, I think there's an environmentalist message in the Mana series in general, and uh, I don't have a tattoo of the mana tree, but it is my smartphone home screen, so I guess that counts as oh, yeah. something, right? <laughs> right. And it's a very nice combination you know, of greens and blues. Yeah, and the environmentalist message is some, uh, something that's also carried in a lot of, this isn't related, but a lot of Hayao Miyazaki or Studio Ghibli films have okay. that sort of message, especially my my favorite movie is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and that has a really similar oh, message. Yeah. You want to talk about an environmentalist message. That's yeah, the... and I, so I think something about that sort of... Uh, ideology took root in me, which is an apropos way of saying it, when I was young and, you know, that kind of flourished and I've always held a deep love for those sorts of uh, messages or themes. So uh, Mana speaks to that, and I, I think it's what makes it so special. And also, um, I mean, I mentioned it being colorful and expressive. Uh, the, the monsters in the Mana series seem uh, lighthearted is probably the wrong word but it just seems so cartoony and expressive it's like maybe like a less diverse pokemon monster or a they're adorable uh, yeah or or a uh, more pastel dragon quest monster collection but they're all adorable and like i think that like the 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 rabbites and the pakun lizards and the potos are sort of you know signature elements of the seiken and zetsu art design and it, it it and they just sort of adds to the vibrant color palette and just the beauty of the second Nintendo art design. It, I, I think the art design is, it, I mean, they're basically like Derek said earlier, they're functional action RPGs, but just have really unique and beautiful art design that uh, characterizes the whole series for me. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so Robert, you know, you've been a little quiet. Uh, what's, what's sort of your background with second Nintendo and what is it that you love about the series or just a, a couple points? I was introduced to the series maybe around 1994 uh, when I got my Super Nintendo, uh, and you know, being a being a Sega kid up to that point, um, I was trying to get my hands on just like everything that SquareSoft had put out in the West, uh, uh, no matter what it was. Uh, so, um, Secret of Mana, I you know that was that was one that I came to very quickly, and uh, I was you know much much like Derek, I was wowed by its um, sense of uh, sense of design, uh, audiovisual, and uh, its vibrant colors and 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 character designs. I, I found it to be a, a a very strange and remarkable little game that um, kind of felt like it was full of 
full of mysteries. Um, and, and the audio visual design did a lot to, to help with that. I mean, I, I, one, one thing that really sticks out at me is, um, exploring those, the, the ruins that these, that this cult is running and it plays this very Balinese, um, very convincing Balinese inspired sinister music. And, um, there wasn't really anything else like it um, out there. Um, I I hadn't seen Nausicaa at the time of playing Secret of Mana, but um, oh, me neither. Mm. That came way later, and then I, I when I when I finally did see it, the parallels were so striking. It was just like, oh my mm. god, I can't believe I missed out on that. I think a lot of like '80s and early '90s RPGs cribbed from from Nausicaa and Laputa in particular. Um, yeah. I think I think well, Secret of Mana might have done it best. When I think of the castle in Laputa and with the how is this crumbling ruin that's overgrown by green vegetation and has you know a- animals sort of walking around these abandoned uh, ruins, I-, I see so much of RPG ruins design in Laputa, es- mm. especially when you go through like the it um, comes up a lot. Yeah, when you, when you go through the the Mana Holy Land in Second Incessu Three and or the ruins in Secret of Mana, it, it, there is definitely a Laputa vibe. You know, that just the big columns covered and overgrown with vines and an area that was clearly once uh, very grandiose. That's sort of now that's sort of been abandoned. I, I I see the Miyazaki influence too. But one one of the especially nice things about Secret of Mana. Um, I was like the I was like the only kid uh, in my neighborhood or in my class who was into RPGs, um, but I took joy in bringing some of my friends into it as it was a rare uh, multiplayer RPG, mm-hmm. which was, you know, that, was that, that was a, a very so fun game to play co-op. Yeah. I know, yeah. I remember scouring uh, secondhand stores for a multi-tap for the longest time as a kid, and when I finally got one so that I could have three people playing, it was it was an amazing experience. It, it had to have been the first three-player game I ever played. Because at I the was time, never able to get the multi-tap. But. Really? Yeah. At the time, you know, consoles only had two controller ports, which sounds like I'm waxing nostalgic for something, which <laughs> that, that was like just a pain in the butt. But it was really, uh, it meant something, I guess, to sort of transcend that limitation of the, the hardware and get a third person in. And it was like, oh my God, this is the best. Hmm. This is going to sound strange. I never had an SNES multi-tap or, or used one. But I did have a four-player Game Boy multi-tap that came with uh, a, a, a Game Boy racing game that I had. So I, the first multi, the first three-plus player video gaming I ever did was four-player F1 race for the Game Boy. Oh wow! Right on. Yeah, that was that was a weird time. But yeah, having a three-player game in Secret of Mana uh, for on the SNES was really remarkable. I, unlike Robert, I did not bring friends into playing Secret of Mana. I probably played it a little bit later than you guys. It was. I guess 95 or 96 when I would have been 9 or 10 but um, one of my friends uh, had Secret of Mana and it was his favorite Super Nintendo game and he was always trying to get his friends including me to play it with him and I was I was already into RPGs so he, I, I didn't take much convincing but I was really surprised and stunned with that and I played through most of the game with him and eventually got my own copy later but when I, when I played it at home it was uh, I think I mostly did it alone but it's I was really quite taken with it at first, and um, I also enjoyed Final Fantasy Adventure, the the Game Boy Second and Setsu One, and didn't totally get that they were two games in the same series until I was at least in my teens and uh, you know had better internet access and could and could hmm. look this stuff up. But when it's I was because it wasn't clear in any way. Yeah, when, when I was say ten, I did mm. not I did not realize at all that they were in the same series. 
Yeah, that one was either. a bit of a holy grail for me. I um, I had the the saga games, the Final Fantasy Legend games, but I could never track down a copy of a Final Fantasy Adventure as a kid. And and my parents were not up for ordering me games from a catalog, so I, I never got to play that until much later. It's uh, interesting that they've chosen that one to remake twice at this point. Yeah, and and both have been in very different styles. <laughs> I thought that the sort of mana GBA remake was sort of not great. Like it, uh, no, because um, Final Fantasy Adventure is really impressive for being a Game Boy game. It's, um, I mean, I mean, a lot of the gameplay will, I'm sure, feel clunky nowadays. But they they give you a wide variety of weapons and spells, and the uh, and the there's some real drama in the story. It's it's a it's shockingly sophisticated and good for what it is as a Game Boy game. But the Sword of Mana remake, I found really underwhelming. Lots of uh, pondering over whether Dark Lord is evil. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Could he be? Let's ask Dark Fact from the East series if he's evil. <laughs> and in Final You're Fantasy right, Adventure, I... I mean, there is a Dark Lord who is clearly evil and a slightly more interesting villain that, you know, sort of pops in and out that's also clearly evil. But it... it, uh, it you know, has it has a lot of the it has a lot of Final Fantasy DNA and Seiken Insetsu DNA in it because there's um yeah. there's a there's a chocobo you can ride, there's a, but you're still uh, saving the mana tree and uh, and speaking to the mana goddess. It, it's an action RPG with a with you know a, a variety of characters joining you and uh, temporarily. It's it's a good Game Boy game and I'm <laughs> really curious to revisit it if uh, when I eventually play. The Seiken Densetsu collection on Switch. I'm not sure if I'll play it in English or Japanese, but that's a different part of the conversation. Yeah, but it's I, interesting. I, I, yeah, I was never impressed by its remakes. Yeah, the they well, they both went in different directions because the the sort of mana remake, or sorry, yeah, sort of mana was more in the vein of like a Legend of Mana style art style at the very least, and then uh, something about it just kind of felt um, sluggish, maybe off or slow to me. I just I never really connected with the gameplay as much and then the newer remake adventures of mana um, they released it on ios first and i made the mistake of trying that because i was so enthusiastic to play mana again i was like all right i normally hate mobile phone games i hate touch controls being shoehorned in i hate virtual d-pads but i'm gonna give this a shot and like 15 minutes in i was just like god damn it i can't do it it's it's so bad and the game the game is not great so i then there's the vita version that came out and i feel like buttons help but it's still not mm-hmm. great it they they've done a better job in that one of sort of mimicking the um the feel of having a like a, a digital what's what am i trying to say here like you know you move digitally it feels closer uh, in terms of control to final fantasy adventure than sort of mana did but it's also just like super cheap and oh it, yeah it feel yeah it feels like a, a super budget title and uh yeah, I just got it a couple of, couple of nights ago because it's it's half off on on Vita at the moment, and was like, oh wow, this really is like a below yeah. average mobile game. I, I um, have, what I really have sticks out at me that, is, is I've, the way the monsters sorry. move. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Okay, well, how do the monsters move? I've I've almost bought this game probably five times in the past year, but I but I never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, maybe maybe don't the Vita, um, the Vita version that is. But yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what were we saying about how the monsters move? Well, you know, you're walking around a forest and you're being pursued by rabbites and, you know, you would kind of expect them to be hopping after you, but they're kind of like, they're moving up and down a little bit like, a little bit like a ship in a shoot 'em up of this very, very lazy, um, low gravity jump. Um, 
on with like perfect diagonal lines. It just looks awful. And they stay in the air for so long um, that they're really hard to hit. And it's just really unsatisfying to look at and to play. Yeah, it just, it feels kind of off. And it's, uh, I was going to say, I keep using the word interesting because I apparently I'm not very uh, varied today in my vocab, but the it's just funny that Final Fantasy Adventure feels the best out of all three. Like it's it's the oldest, but it's the one that's kind of, stood the test of time in terms of being a well-crafted game. It's aged better than either of the other two. It's a competent Zelda-like. Um, it's it's a very good one of those. I mean, I, I feel that maybe it's kind of, you know, I mean, it doesn't stack up to, to Link's Awakening, but uh, for well, what it was at the time... I think most Zelda games don't stack up to Link's Awakening, but I, I, <laughs> I, I value that game very much. I, I would agree with you there, actually. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorites. But, you know, you're right. There, there's, um, I mean... You can compare it to uh, Zelda games or other top, similar top-down action games of its era, and I think it it's aged pretty well as a Game Boy game. And that might be I might be informed by nostalgia a little bit there. And I I am curious to tr- maybe try it again on the Switch eventually. It seems like the I would probably want to play it on the handheld version of the Switch or the handheld half of the Switch. But uh, yeah. that would that would be an interesting you know nostalgia experiment trying to revisit that. I think we can all agree, though, that when we think of this series in general, probably the definitive one is Secret of Mana. Oh, yeah. And I think so. It, and it, it starts with a lot of things that I sort of consider the hallmarks of what mana is, the uh, the different weapons and the, and the elemental spirits and uh, the, the the isometric view that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, I mean, I mean, visually, it it looks a little bit like Chrono Trigger with with large, pretty ex- expressive sprites, um, and uh, and just a very colorful landscape that doesn't that that isn't really doesn't it feels more uh, more sensibly layered and not just tiled, like like uh, like the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games. It's funny you should mention that. Um, back when uh, screenshots of Chrono Trigger started hitting EGM and GamePro, I actually thought that the it was like a, a sequel or spiritual sequel, The Secret of Mana, due to how, looking back on it now, the main character of Mana and, and, and Chrono don't look anything alike. But I think I thought that the girl looked quite a bit like Marley. Yeah, I can yeah, see sure. the parallel. I mean, like the both of the guys just kind of have spiky hair. One's red, mm. one's brown. But yeah, I mean, they're fairly close. I don't think you're wrong. They're They're close enough that I... I don't think it's crazy to say that you that you know a young person would notice a similarity, and and I, and I think it's it the sprites and the landscapes both look great, and the uh, but the whole arc of you know um, you're on the run from this evil empire trying to save the world and you don't totally know exactly what to do but you meet these elemental spirits one by one, and uh, one thing that I remember not so fondly of Secret of Mana that I'm sort of glad they abandoned in Second Incessu Three is the uh, the magic and weapon progression systems. Oh yeah. They, they do a little bit of an Elder Scrolls thing where the more you use a weapon, the more you gain mastery with the weapon. The more you use magic, the more mastery you gain with that kind of magic, which is a great idea in theory. But when the curve starts to collapse on itself in the second half of the game, it's really miserable trying to uh, improve your magic and weapon skills. And it, it's a great idea in theory, and I love the variety of having eight weapons anyone can equip, and uh, about how many? Probably uh, around fifty spells in the game between the between the girl and the sprite. It's it's 
it makes for a pretty good suite of gameplay options. I just don't like how slow the progress is when you're leveling up weapons and magic. Yeah, uh, it doesn't encourage a lot of um, variety in gameplay because it's kind of like if you want to switch, you're gonna you got to be ready to grind for a while. Uh, if they end up doing any kind of tweaking to the gameplay in the Switch collection, I think that's something that, that could stand to benefit from would be rebalancing of um, like how quickly you master weapons. Mm, that'd be nice. Yeah, really, I mean, if you're playing the old version of Mana and they don't tweak anything, it's hard to uh, advocate anyone, one character, using more than two or three weapons. Because other than that, if you do that, then there's the it takes so long to level them up, I don't know if it's worth it beyond that. But, I mean, the basic gameplay of that game holds up really well. I, I think that just, just moving and attacking in that game feels feels good. Have the multiplayer aspect of it, making it you know, toe the line between a uh, a more traditional JRPG and sort of a, a beat 'em up game like like a Final Fight or a Streets of Rage, really, really, really works. And I, I may have mentioned this on, on other podcasts, but um, the closest thing I get to an experience like the like uh, Secret of Mana or SD3 nowadays is m- maybe the old Marvel Ultimate Alliance RPGs or uh, the or the the three most recent East games where you have party members you can switch between quickly and have each of them have a variety of, of moves to execute. It's it, it, it's a kind of JRPG gameplay that I really like and also miss a little bit. Yeah, well, luckily for you, East 8 is coming out pretty soon. Yes, that that is going to scratch my mana itch when that comes out in the fall, but <laughs> in in the meantime, we're, I mean, all I have to do is reminisce about the old East ga- about the old uh, East games, or the old mana games. And pine over that new collection. Yeah, I... If I'm... If a couple months or a year passes and it doesn't look like it's coming out in English, I will get it in Japanese. But I'm not. I'm not going to get it in Japanese right away. Uh, I, the idea of a uh, English language like in Nintendo 3 is just too, too enticing for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, so how... they they did it with Earthbound Beginnings. So, but I mean, I... I guess that had a script from way back in the day, right? Yeah, it did. So. It would From, take effort yeah. on their part. But if you can imagine, I mean, localization has improved so much in the last couple of decades that they could really, they could do something really awesome with uh, SD3. And I, It wouldn't if, be sort of like Breath of Fire 2 hack job we were used to getting back then. Well, from what I understand with SD3, uh, it, it was at one point considered, but um, when when the team took a look at the technical hoops they would have to jump through to localize it they basically just went nope um and and that's why that um there's weird graphic compression that um ties into the into the text um that's why that that fan translation took several years uh to be completed with the help of, of uh what was his name neil uh uh i have it here uh, neil corlett who is a um extremely talented programmer they had to bring him in to complete that gotcha oh. i well, remember i remember I mean, the, the credits at the uh, translation credits inserted into the main menu of that game i've, I've played the, that fan translation many times i, I think that square that square enix and nintendo b- probably could swing a full localization of all three games i'm not sure what kind of emulation they're doing in that collection whether they're just emulating all three versions or it's a little bit more involved than that in this in this collection 
but uh, so they may be able to use the uh, original you know, English language uh, translations of Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy Adventure, but uh, I'm not. I, I don't know exactly mm. if, how true that would be if they if they would have to start from scratch or not. But I, I, I think uh-huh. I think that there would be enough interest to warrant a remake. But I don't know enough about the you know about all of the number crunching of the business side of things to say for sure or not. Well, yeah, when you say when I mean, you say remake, we get into dodgy territory. <laughs> like right, Serena. that's what I was remake. thinking. I was like, it's a collection, not a remake. Yeah, can we can we not remake it in the style of Adventures of Mana or anything else <laughs> in that style, please? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't. I would. I mean, I hope that they do a few things to the collection, like maybe uh, like level level the uh, experience curve in uh, Secret of Mana a little bit, and or fix the agility and luck stats in Second Intetsu Three. Which is you know oh, not, yeah. not not unprecedented because you know they fixed how the magic block stats stat works in the GBA remake of Final Fantasy VI and subsequent uh, mobile ports of that. So it, it's it's happened that Square in when Square has put out ports and remakes of their old Super Nintendo games, they have done fixes here and there. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for them to make a change like that, and I would welcome a change like that. But again, we don't know enough about this collection, which isn't out in Japan yet to exactly know everything that would go into into an English language localization. I, I'm I'm just I'm really really fascinated that they made this collection, especially um especially since when you think I mean when you look at the timeline of the series, there hasn't been a lot <laughs> in the intervening years because the last full non remade mana game was in 2007. Mm. Yeah. What about uh, Rise, though, the iOS one? That was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was um, 2014. Oh, but it was also only in Japan, so... Yeah, I, I forgot about that. It was only it was only Japan, and it was a uh, eight-player co-op free-to-play game. So I, I I guess I should have said full console release, but the, the, the hero... Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Like, um, that whole Heroes of Mana, Dawn of Mana, Children of Mana sequence was in 06 and 07. Uh, so, but I, so I'm I'm a little curious about the timing of this collection. We had the remake last year of uh, the um, Second Instance One remake last year, well, Rise of Mana two, uh, three years ago. Do, do you think that maybe they're trying to gauge interest in a bit of a revival, or was this like I, I, I'm just curious about the timing and reasoning for this collection at this time? It, it was intended to be a revival of the series ten years ago, so maybe a decade down the line, and they're trying to give it another go. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think in terms of uh, business moves, I think this is very smart for them to get in before there's any sort of virtual console service on the on the system. Because, hmm. I mean, at, you know, at the equivalent of $40 for that collection, that, that is pricey for three yeah. classic games um, that, you know, people can get elsewhere for free if they want to go that route, well, which well, they, I mean, yeah, they um... shouldn't. But... This will be the first time that SD3 is actually available since 1995. That's never yeah. had a virtual yeah. console release. Legally available, we should say. Cause, right. uh, I don't yeah, think well. But, uh, but no, you're absolutely right. It was not on the Wii or Wii U or 3DS virtual console. So this is the first time it's been legally available since 1995. I, I really hope it does well. But um, So do you think if it's successful that either Nintendo or Square Enix would produce a another new Mana game? Because... I think yes, but it may not be in the shape we want it to be. Yeah, a lot of those guys are are long gone. I mean, 
secret of mana itself that was a Nasir Gabelli game and he he's been retired for like 20 years and uh many of the other people involved in that game and some of some of the other games in the series they've moved on to places like Grezzo or or Gung Ho so I mean the you know the people who really made this series pop they're they're no longer with Square yeah the uh I know Brownies, which is, I guess, the sort of spin-off studio of Brownie Brown, who worked on stuff like Legend of Mana. They called One Up now. Okay, uh, I know they did sort of Mana, and they've they did like uh, Magical Star Sign and Magical Vacation in Japan. Oh, okay. uh, they're I, working on. I remember Magical Star. They did Mother Three as well. Okay, yeah. Did did Aglia come out? Did you guys hear about that one? It was a smartphone RPG that has a style very reminiscent of Legend of Mana. And uh, yeah, it's called Aglia, Legend of the Red Cap, and it was announced back in September oh, yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I just this wonder is, if this is if, new to me. I'm I'm looking at images now, but I don't remember seeing them before. Yeah, I mean, it's like you just look at the character designs, and it just looks like a long lost man game. Um, I just wonder if, if if the Switch collection is successful, and we do get another mana game, are they just gonna do this? Like, okay, you guys liked it well, on Switch. Now get ready for Mana iOS again. Aren't a good portion of the um, the core Mana team working on Ever Oasis at the moment for 3DS? I, I do remember that. That's a Koichi Ishii game. They were advertising it as uh, from veterans of the Mana series, but I, I don't know the exact personnel involved with that. That was, that was announced during E3 last year, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've been pretty quiet about it. I, there was one fairly recent uh, info dump, maybe in the last month and a half or so, where they just sort of like reminded us that it exists, but they've been quiet about that one. So I wonder. I'm looking. I'm looking at the promotional art now, and they've even got kind of a mana tree. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that might be um, sort of a a modern take or a what's what I'm looking for, like a spiritual successor to mana. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Looks a little cutesy. But it does maybe. it it's closer to yeah, it's closer to the adventures of mana style in terms of um it's the three D graphical assets. Hmm. So I don't know how I feel about that, but not that I have any problem with three D inherently, just uh traditionally or historically rather, it hasn't worked super well for the, the mana series, so Right. Yeah. Cause I think you lose a little bit of the, the character or the texture of the, the art design. And and that sort of generic 3D modeling, but who knows? They could impress us. Which kind of reminds me of this is totally off topic, but they they recently announced that Radiant Historia remake for 3DS, right. which a I'm kind of surprised that they chose 3DS when the original was available on DS and still playable on a 3DS, and then they changed the art style, which uh, I think is a little it's a little moeified like yeah, especially uh, they, they changed erica's design you yeah know, she has long hair and she looks super generic yeah yeah um she has softer features and long hair instead of short curly hair and uh it she looks a little bit more like a generic moe princess and less she looks distinct. like she's from gig reunion or something <laughs> yeah oh my oh, gosh man. that's exactly what she looks like or the princess class from uh Etrian odyssey d3 yeah, kind of all these very much yes all these characters kind of look like they're in a sting rpg in a way because, I mean, yeah. I, I like some of the Sting games, but they're, you know, very moe and sort of anime generic as hell sometimes. 
but yeah, I think Riviera was one of the first games I remember having really prominent sort of Moe characters where I was a little skeeved out. I was like, mm, something's weird about this, and then it only. And I mean, I, mean I, I don't want to sound too disparaging because I I played through Hexus Force twice, but the uh, which oh yeah, Hexus Force is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little like a little generic anime, but uh, but a yeah, very, it's like hyper straightforward. Yeah, but, but, but a pretty good RPG like. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Baroque guy myself. <laughs> Baroque? Yeah. Well, if it ain't Baroque. Don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and I'm, I'm I'm a little curious that they that they went for a 3DS remake and not a Switch for that. And I, and I know it's probably been in development so long that it's, of course, it has to stay on 3DS. And maybe they still want to keep the dual screen functionality going from DS to 3DS, but I, I just think that Nintendo would want as many new and upcoming Switch games as possible and would push developers to put move development onto the Switch, but it, I guess it didn't happen with the Radiant Historia remake. Well, they're they're insisting that the 3DS isn't dead yet. So. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, well, they, and, they've and been very, very vocal about that. You're right, and the 3DS's very large install base shouldn't be ignored, but I think that a little tongue-in-cheek. Of course, they don't want to say they're abandoning the 3DS, but I think they're more interested in, in selling more Switches than making more games for 3DS, personally. They being, sure. they being Nintendo. But you could logically work out why it's on the 3DS or why it should be on the Switch either way. And I don't, I don't think that's probably not an important argument to have. Uh, it, it looks good, at least. I, um, I, I liked Radiant Historia, and I'll, uh, and, but I never 100%ed it. So if I ever decided to replay it or revisit it, I would probably just get the remake down the line. But right. it looks good. Um, maybe we should pivot back to Mana a little bit. <laughs> it so, is... Legend of Mana. Right, Legend of Mana. That is a weird, beautiful game. That's an Akitoshi Kawazu game. And it shows. <laughs> it's like, you want instructions? Too bad. Uh-oh. Figure it out, loser. I tried figuring that out when I was 15 or 16 and just said, whatever, I don't get this. I'm just, I'm just going to play ff7 some more uh but it's still beatable it's just got all these crazy systems where you can really break the game if you know what you're doing but i mean good luck knowing what you're doing no if i i I bought it on vita fairly recently and on the off chance that i want i might want to give it a second a second shot and i and i may yet but i would do it with the benefit of the internet and uh and some guides just to figure out what's going on a little better but it's undeniably a really gorgeous game that is super interesting even though I wasn't able to totally understand it, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Legend yeah, of Mana and Saga Frontier 2, they both have this wonderful watercolor style that was, you know, never really seen before or again. Mm-hmm. And because the Mana series has such a sort of richness in its visual design, I think that Legend of Mana benefited from that by having it's it's kind of it was obtuse enough that it made its world seem bigger than it was if that makes sense like you could imagine that there were so many more places throughout this world each in the style of those little pocket sort of um biomes that you were planting on the map right like the towns and uh, you mm. have like a volcano and a snowy area and stuff and you could just sort of imagine that world stretching on and on and on because the world was yours to build as you saw fit so I think it did a good job of communicating that. Hmm. One yeah. of the things that I think is very special about Legend of Mana, um, it's got this saga-esque um, side quest system where like, the entire game is really just a big open world collection of side quests. But 
Um, some of those side quests, like they have, some of them don't have any combat. You're just kind of like walking around town and solving little mysteries in a few cases. And that was that was kind of unusual for that period. And and it it feels like one of uh, feels like one a of, of the Sky game, like a Legend of Heroes game in a way. Kind of. I mean, it it feels like a little bit more. It's uh, kind of like avant-garde and experimental, maybe more along the lines of like Mystic Arc, where things like the stories don't always make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in in a Trials in, in a Legend of Heroes games, the the each story would you know make sense within the bounds of the world, but things get a little bit more surreal in Legend of Mana, I think. I didn't play enough of the game to a hundred percent understand this comparison. But I, huh. I, I just always thought it was just a really pretty game that I that I didn't, but I never knew what was going on. I, I should replay it eventually, especially since I love Secret of Mana and Second Zetsu Three so much. Well, keep in mind that obtuse doesn't necessarily mean good by any means. It's just it was very bold and sort of experimental, hmm. and I think that's what makes it memorable in part. Yeah, I, 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 obtuse is a good way for how I felt about it when I first played it. But I, I, I think I could probably appreciate it better as an adult and with the benefit of of being able to research before going in a little bit because i went in totally cold just thinking it was going to be secret of mana again which is yeah me too yeah it's and that disappointing was if you during go in like the, that during the summer of adventure if you recall right which that, that was the th- all yes. three of those games the, were so different i think it was four games right because it was final fantasy 9 legend of mana threads of fate and vagrant story yeah, um, I thought it was Chrono Cross. Chrono Cross. As well. oh, oh, Chrono Cross I thought it was Chrono Cross, Cross, Legend of Mana, and Threads of Fate. That's what I thought it was. I thought, wasn't Vagrant Story or FF Nine one of those? Because I thought it was two thousand was the year. Apparently, it was Vagrant Story and Front Mission Three. Whoa, Front Mission Three. Okay, <laughs> so no FF Nine. That's, that's yeah, the yes, whole. Vagrant that's story. the whole gamut. That is. Yeah. Those are five very unusual Square RPGs that are not quite like their predecessors. <laughs> Yeah, I mostly remember the uh, the soundtrack samplers that you could get by pre-ordering each of those, and then if you got all three, you could get the, the awful, ugly SquareSoft um, like messenger bag or something. <laughs> I don't remember that. I just remember a huge amount of Chrono Cross hype. Oh yeah, and also which was another game that uh, released to mixed reception, but is pretty well regarded yeah. overall. And also, I mean, I guess, you know, Legend of Mana and Vagrant Story are both in the Michael Solosi, I didn't understand this game in 2001, All-Stars. Yeah, are there a lot in that category? No. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Persona 2 Eternal Punishment was also in that category. Oh, well, that game, yeah. Well, it makes sense, I guess, but not, uh, me, it's not me, the clearest. Me getting that game on reputation and not understanding what was going on at the beginning is uh, definitely a thing that happened. Uh, I I like Legend of Mana a lot, but um, I think things kind of took a bit of a turn after that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. And even and Legend of Mana was contentious enough, but I think that was sort yeah. of the uh, the last one that was even consistent. Like it was consistently a mana ish game, and everything beyond that was uh, either experimental or just not good, or both. Right. So you have the it's sort of mana remake for Game Boy Advance, which we talked about a little bit already. And then you had this uh, trio of console games in 06 and 07, Children of Mana, Dawn of Mana, and Heroes of Mana, which... I was really excited for Dawn of Mana, and then the reviews came out, so I I ended up not picking that up. (laughs) 
I saw I, I sought out videos of it because that was the uh, very early days of YouTube when that came out, and I was able to find a few gameplay videos uploaded by users and not major sites. And I was not impressed. It was not. It did not look like something I wanted. Plus, it was a very late era PS2 game. I think it came out on PS2 when the PS3 was already out. I think. Uh, it was well, pretty late. To yeah. be fair, a lot of really good PS2 games did. That's fair. That's fair. It, came, it did come out in the same year as Persona 4. So, uh, so, but I, I just remember th- it looked so ugly and clunky. I was not interested in playing it. I did buy Children of Mana and put some time into that game. But yeah, that thing is that the dungeon crawler. Yes, the the random dungeon crawler, uh, multi floor, multi dungeon. You chose uh, your characters at the beginning were, um, they they made one of the cat merchants from Secret of Mana and SD3 playable, which I thought was a neat touch. But it it basically was a a subpar dungeon crawler that had some you know visual concepts borrowed from the other Mana games, like the uh, the god beasts from SD3 are in it. Uh, for example, and the and the mana spirits are in it, but it is a, a sort of, a sort of bad dungeon crawler with just a uh, a mana veneer that w- did not work at all. But it was the only one of those three that I put hard time into. He- Heroes of Mana was a a real time strategy game for DS. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that has the king. I think the the kingdoms or the nations from SD three yeah. as as uh, as things in the game but none of the sd3 main characters what the hell was with them wanting to release rts games on the ds because there was the, that and there stylus, was also huh? yeah final fantasy 12 revenant wings was also a weird rts there was the abysmal like ease strategy yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> i guess they were just like it has this touch screen let's do something with it and then they didn't do anything good with it I know, I never played Heroes of Mana. I, I it it came out to mediocre to bad reviews, and I was not interested in playing an RTS game on the DS. But like when you think Mana, I mean, I, I don't really find the idea of an RTS based on Mana to be very a very inspiring idea. It's yeah. I mean, it just didn't it didn't work. So obviously they they tried, and it didn't really end up being anything successful. I, I was really disappointed by that whole uh, mana revival because it just I mean even everybody though I, was <laughs> yeah I, I mean just looking at it from the outside no no new mana games for several years then they come out with three really bad ones and then they apparently leave the series for dead I, I was like you know me being an idiot on on uh, on RPG forums at that time was I was openly worrying that we would never see another mana game ever again because these were these were all three of these were just such clunkers mm. and but in a way my hope was restored a little bit with this uh with the adventure of mana remake and this upcoming collection so i really don't know what to think anymore <laughs> well if, if nothing else just having those three games available on a modern console in one package um that's that's a nice thing to have, if nothing else. You know, even if it doesn't mean anything for the future. Yeah. It's nice that they're throwing throwing that to fans. Hopefully yeah. and, Western I fans mean, as well. We haven't even mentioned how goddamn beautiful the cover art is and the key art. Right, yeah. The, yes. Um, there was a... Uh, I, I think I mentioned this to both of you on Twitter, but there was a, uh, a, a Secret of Mana art book that came out in 2010 or 2011. And the, and the key what? art... Yeah, and the key art that came out for the collection 
is in the same style as that art book and j the the cover art and the key art with all 11 characters from Second Intensive 1, 2, and 3, a, a circling a mana seed is just beautiful. I just, I want a yeah. game that looks like that. It was, oh, it, it's so gorgeous. I encourage people to look it up if they haven't found it already. Yeah, it is amazing. outstanding. And it's, I mean, the and this style is different from the classic stuff by, I believe his name is uh, Hirono Iso, Isono? Yeah. That's right. Or Hiro Isono, I don't remember the exact name. Apologies, it, but... It is different, but uh, he, I think it fits. Yeah, he passed away in uh, 2013, I believe, which is a shame, um, because his art was just transcendent. But this new style is also great, and I think carries the spirit forward, albeit in a little bit more of a kind of uh, straightforwardly cheerful modern way. I didn't realize he died, though. Shame on me. Yeah, it was Isona Hero. It's a shame. It's a fantastic artist and a visionary, so. That is too bad. Yeah, so it's it's been nice to, to reminisce a little bit about the Mana series. I really hope that we get that Switch collection in North America. Um, and if we do get it, I feel like, since I never really played much of it, uh, the Japanese version, Mike, I know you're pretty experienced with it. Do you have any pro strats you want to lay on us? <laughs> Man, recording this and talking about the Mana series has me wanting to replay SD3 and Secret of Mana. But I, I guess I can. I mean, I've, so I've played I'm that here game. actually. <laughs> yeah. I've played Psychon and Setsu three six or seven times because there's six playable characters and you choose three at the beginning to be your team the whole game, and which one you pick as your main character determines the final dungeon and final boss that you go through. So there's a lot of re replayability and fun to that game, and and each character can class change into four different final forms. So there's a ton of variety and replayability in that game. But in terms of pro strats, I guess. Your main character is the most important character and is the one that you're with the most, so you should just pick the character you think looks coolest for your main character, and that's your first pick. And for your second pick, um, the best the best character game to game, moment to moment is Kevin the Werewolf. So if he if he wasn't your pick number one, pick him second because he has the best offense in the game, full hands down. And even if you're not controlling him all the time, he'll just be able to wreck crap a lot just by himself. And because he's a his his uh, attack power is average, but he attacks twice in, uh, twice as fast as the other characters, and his offense doubles when he turns into a werewolf at night. So that's pretty cool. And Game for your boy. yeah, and for your third character, you should pick uh, Carly the cleric if she wasn't your first pick, because if you pick her, then you'll have healing spells the whole game, and you don't have to teach healing spells to Kevin or Duran to sacrifice mm -hmm. offense, and uh, the and. And she'll always be learning spells that weaken enemies or strengthen your allies or instantly kill undead or all kinds of helpful stuff. But basically, you'll never have to worry about healing if she's on your team. And if you pick her third... Yeah. I just then... wish she wasn't an irritating child. Yeah, she is super irritating. <laughs> right. I, I, do, I do not recommend her for the first character. <laughs> pick someone else. But, uh, if, and also, if you pick her third, then uh, you get three characters for the first dungeon and first boss instead of, uh, instead of two, which makes the beginning of the game a little easier. My favorite party wow, in the I game... Was... I was just, I mean, I was like 70% serious, but damn, you really have the pro strats. Like, yeah, start yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've played this game a lot, and I used to I used to hand out the pro strats on, like, GameFAQs forums and stuff in the mid-2000s, I guess. But, uh, yeah, my favorite team Got is... Good stuff. My favorite team is either Kevin, Reese, and Carly. Reese is the Amazon spear girl, and or Kevin, Hawk, and Carly, and Hawk is the uh, the thief dude with knives. 
Um, Angela, the mage girl, is powerful, but uh, with her, you have to pause and cast spells a lot to make her useful, so she's not as fun to play as the offensive characters. And Duran, the swordsman, is is strong, but he's really slow, and you have to use spacing and and be careful with him, which isn't as fun as just running in and punching dudes with Kevin the werewolf. Right. <laughs> so yeah, those are that. that's my pro strats second Nintendo three moment. Thanks for setting me up there, Derek. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, you delivered. So right. Oh, and if you're playing Secret of Mana for the first time, I recommend a party of the boy, the girl, and the sprite. Oh man, that's that's a tough <laughs> one. You, you drive a hard bargain. That up. Mm, yep. <laughs> so Although it's a, I, I didn't know a cool thing is that you can you can sort of get the girl earlier if you trigger yeah. a certain event where you get. You captured by the goblins or whatever. I, I always thought that was so cool. I thought I was discovering like a super hidden secret when I was a kid. Yeah, you have to hmm. go see the the scene with her boyfriend and then go and then backtrack a little ways to see her captured by the goblins, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's been a long yeah. time since I've played that. That was always cool. I, I thought yeah. that was just the natural progression, and then when I went back and played the game a second time and and ended up encountering the sprite first, I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. Nice versatility there. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty sophisticated like plot movement for a 1993 Super Nintendo game, for sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Robert and Derek, for joining me today on this impromptu, last-minute scheduled Mana podcast. It was, it was a joy uh, reminiscing with you guys and uh, maybe talking about the future of the series a little bit. And listeners, you can catch Retro Encounter on RPG Fan Posted every Wednesday... Please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast obtaining venue of choice. It helps us uh, be exposed to more potential new listeners. And uh, please visit the RPG Fan forums, RPG Fan Com on Twitter, and R- the RPG Fan Facebook page for more awesome RPG news and discussions. So before we close out, uh, starting with you, Derek, where can we find you on social media? I am on Twitter at at embryon x that's like the embryon tribe for just from uh wow i can't talk like the embryon tribe from digital devil saga and uh yeah that's pretty much the only place you can find me it's twitter embryon x it's me we should do digital devil saga for retro encounter sometime that game's yes yeah you should that game's great i would totally play a new game plus of that too right on so anyway Uh, uh, robert where can we find you on social media I'm on Twitter at MisanthroBob, and that's uh, like uh, Misanthropes, but with Bob. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon. So thank you so much. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on that second Intetsu collection coming out in Japan soon. But until we are in your listening device again, goodbye. See ya. Later.